Welcome to this episode of the Mind of the Escapist podcast. This is a podcast centered around film, video games, television, anime, and more. I'm your host, Terrell. With Creed 3 releasing in cinemas later on this week, I thought now would be the perfect time for me to revisit the first two films in the franchise, Creed 1 and Creed 2, and just talk about why these films have impacted me throughout my 20s, why they're quite important to me, and also why they're my two favorite sports films of all time. Now, the first Creed film came out in 2015. It was directed by Ryan Coogler, starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson. Now, I think I was 20 or 21 years old when this film came out. And I have a lot of memories around the time of this film's release and a lot of stories to tell um, about how I reacted to this film. Now, one thing I'll start off by saying is being a black man and being a lover of film since I was a kid, it's only recently now that we're starting to see more and more black stories being told. The type of black stories that I've always wanted to see. Now, an issue I've had with Hollywood for a very long time is whenever they've wanted to tell what they consider to be an inspirational black story, most of the time those stories are set on a slave plantation and it's a slave movie and they project that out and... The issue I have with that, not to say that there aren't great movies centered around slavery, there are, but my issue with it is Hollywood constantly painted black people in a specific light, especially when it comes to the feel-good movies. Usually our feel-good movies will be centered around our trauma and someone breaking free of that trauma. And after a while, I kind of just got fed up of seeing black people portrayed that way. You know, there's different ways for us to see ourselves and we deserve to see ourselves in a different light through our entertainment and through the medium of film and other mediums. And what I was looking for in that regard when it comes to getting an emotionally driven story focused on a black character that isn't centered around slavery, what I was looking for in that regard is something that Creed delivered in a major way and it impacted me in a big way. And these films are films that I've kind of grown alongside. So, like I said, the first film came out when I was in my early 20s. Um, the second film came out five years ago, so I would have been 23, 24. And I feel like I've grown alongside Adonis. I can look at aspects of these first two films and Adonis's journey as an individual in many ways and the multifaceted journey that he takes in these films and his arc and I can see a reflection of myself within his character in certain aspects and I think that's why these films have become so important to me and have impacted me so much over the years and it's why I'm so excited for that third film as well because I do genuinely love these films and if the third film delivers then I'll consider the Creed trilogy among the best trilogies of all time because I think the storytelling within these films and the character work really is that strong and I actually think despite the fact that they're critically acclaimed films I still think they're underrated to a degree um, or underappreciated might be the right term so people are aware of how great they are but I just don't think they're discussed as much as other films are um, and they deserve like all the credit because I think they're really strong films now what stood out to me with the first Creed film immediately was we were getting that 
kind of inspirational feel-good story that you'd expect to get from a film in the Rocky franchise. It's what the Rocky franchise has delivered since the very first film. It's what people go to the cinema to watch those films to see. So you kind of know what you're getting in that regard. But to see that type of story told from the black perspective is what made this film something that I immediately connected to. And then the fact that they had Michael B. Jordan in the lead role, who's an actor I've always admired, amplified that even more. And what the end result was is a story focused on a black character that is grounded, relatable, inspiring and emotional. And that's the type of story that I wanted to see on the, on the big screen within the medium of film. You know, when I say I got tired of seeing these films depicting our trauma and pain and slavery, etc. And I wanted to see different stories, see us represented in different ways. Creed is an example of what I was talking about. And it's why I connected with the film so heavily. Now, I have a funny story to tell about the lead up to the release of Creed and then what happened after I saw the film. I remember back in 2015, um, or this may have actually been late 2014, whenever they first started shooting the film, these images kind of went online of Michael B. Jordan's transformation, his physical transformation for the role. And it was quite impressive. It was something that I found motivating to see. And uh, I liked it. And like I said, I, I have always admired Michael B. Jordan ever since I saw Chronicle in the cinema back in 2012. And that was the first time I'd ever seen Michael B. Jordan. And his charisma and likability just immediately kind of caught me. And I've, I've admired him ever since. And so to see him transform himself like that for this role was, was very inspiring. And I'm a, I'm a gym goer. I'm a frequent gym goer. I've been going to the gym for the past 10 years. So that's something I frequently do. There's, within those 10 years, there's been little gaps in time, you know, going back a number of years where I may have, like, not gone for a couple months at a time or something like that. But for the most part, across those 10 years, I've been quite consistent when it comes to going to the gym, especially recently. So in the recent year and a half, I've been very consistent. And this film came out at a time where I think I took a bit of a break. I want to say I probably didn't go to the gym for about a month. Um, so I didn't go to the gym for about a month. This is sometime in 2015 when the film came out. And I saw the movie. And for all the reasons that I'm going to talk about later and for the reasons I've already specified beforehand, I really, really love this film. But let me tell you something. When I saw Michael B. Jordan look the way he looked in that movie, as soon as that shit ended and I come out of the cinema, I was like, bro, I got to get to the gym, man. Like, so that's what I did. Like, it's like I, I hadn't been in the gym for about a month at that point. I was like, right, I got to get shit cracking. I got to get straight to the gym. I got to look like that. Like, or something close, <laughs> you know, like that was motivation. And um, it, yeah, that was that was just something that I remember quite vividly from when that film came out. And when I first saw the film was just looking at Michael B. Jordan and being like, OK, if this is the blueprint, then I got to get to work. So uh, that was just some some motivation when I saw the film. And uh, I always remember that. I just always remember that because these films did have quite a profound effect on me in various ways, whether it be emotionally, physically. Um, but that is one of the things that I do remember is just how seeing that film, seeing like Michael B. Jordan in his transformed state, you know, that that really did kind of ignite a spark within me during a time where I was kind of chilling for a month, having not been to the gym for a month. But the film anyway, let's talk about the film. There's a number of things I love about the film, of course. But one of the things I think really just stands out is the emphasis on Creed's journey as well as his 
personal growth and his relationship with Rocky. I think all of these things are handled so well within the script. And I think you get a real insight into him as a person. So it makes you feel like you're along with him on this journey and on this plight that he's on. I will say, actually, before I continue, I may have some spoilers for either of these films. I don't think I'm going to say anything too heavy on the spoiler side of things. But if you haven't seen the films and you'd rather know nothing at all, go watch them and then listen to this podcast afterwards. But yeah, I think that focus on the personal story and personal journey between him and Rocky and with his own journey himself, I think is elements of the film that I really connected with. And like I said, once again, it's the type of thing, especially back in 2015, you didn't get a whole lot of it with with black actors and black characters at that point, you know, not in these type of films anyway. So it was very refreshing for me as a young 20 year old black man to see this portrayed in the film like it was. And another thing that I thought worked really well for this film, and it's an element of this franchise that I like a lot, is his relationship with Bianca and to showcase you know, him, a young black man, dating this girl and falling in love with this girl, you know, and having her by his side and having them support each other. And just to see, you know, a depiction of love that is not toxic, that is multifaceted and performed very well with some great nuance from both Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan is something I really appreciate in this film. And I think it's that depth within the relationship that they portrayed is what makes you care about them and their relationship as characters. And I think that does a lot to amplify this trilogy as a whole because it is grounded by a, a partnership and a relationship that feels believable, feels real, and it is something that you want to see flourish. And I think that works very well in this film. Ryan Coogler, of course, this was before he directed Black Panther. Um, but he had directed Fruitvale Station with Michael B. Jordan at this point. This was the first time, for me at least anyway, and I think for a lot of other people, where you kind of sat back and thought, okay, this 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 director, Ryan Coogler, he's really up to something. Because he really showcased in this film how dynamic he can be with his direction. So there's a lot of flair with what he does in this film. And he, he knows how to focus on the right things. So there's a lot of fight sequences i don't think it's all of them but a few fight sequences throughout the film which are shot to look like long sequences like straight long sequences long takes and i think one of them actually is a genuine long take whereas there's one at the beginning of the film the very start of the film which i think is stitched together because i think i can see where the cuts are but either way it's made to look like a long take but that's something that to my knowledge is not existed within the rocky franchise prior and I think it's quite a technical challenge to achieve that type of direction within sequences that are as complex as these boxing sequences where a lot of things could go wrong or a lot of things could not look right and throw an entire scene off. So um, I think he did very well with the direction there and I think the, the performances within those scenes were really good as well to maintain that illusion of reality through those boxing sequences. And that was his unique stamp. You know, I hear stories and I'm so excited for it because I'm a big anime fan. But I'm hearing Michael B. Jordan talk about how much anime was an influence on his direction for Creed 3 because he wanted to put his own spin on the fights. And that really excites me hearing that. But this, if that's his spin on the directing boxing fight sequences, Creed 3, this is Ryan Coogler's spin on it. He brought the kind of long take, kind of immersive sequences to the franchise 
and um, they're memorable. They're memorable fights because of it. And I think he did really well on that regard. Another stylistic choice that he made with these films, which I thought was pretty cool, is I like how he displays the fighters' records on the screen whenever you first see them in the film. I just thought that was a nice little stylistic touch. Ludwig Granson's score, of course, he scored The Mandalorian. He scored Black Panther with Ryan Coogler. He scored this film, and his score is fantastic for this film. It's really motivating. It's really inspirational in all the ways that you'd want it to be. And it amplifies the dramatic scenes in all the right ways. Um, there's a training sequence in this film, which I actually think is quite emotionally powerful. I remember, I think, the first time I saw the film, and a couple times after that as well, whenever I'd see that training sequence, I'd get tears in my eyes because it comes at the perfect point in the film where you've seen Adonis go through so many trials and tribulations already, and now you're starting to see him truly ascend and truly break through the barrier to greatness. And the way that the score backs up that sequence and the way the sequence is directed by Ryan, it just really amplifies my emotions. And it's a really powerful scene because of it. Another element of this story that's quite a key focus is actually Rocky and what he's doing and how his life is progressing. And I think they handled this story really well in the sense that they balanced it alongside Creed's story to the point where it felt right and it didn't feel overbearing or like it was taking shine away from Creed but it also servicing the character of Rocky and the legacy of Rocky in a way that is respectful to Sylvester Stallone and to the character itself and they introduced the element of cancer into this story with Rocky and it really really works now Sylvester Stallone I believe was nominated for an Oscar for this best supporting actor and he should have won it because it's some of the best work I've ever seen him do because it's very nuanced and it's it's very grounded and it feels so real and you really do feel those emotions for Rocky because earlier on in the film you do see him you know uh, he's he's a man who is is pretty lonely now you know getting up to his older age he's lonely he doesn't have anyone really left he doesn't have a strong relationship with his son and his grandchildren so he doesn't really have anyone left so he's an he's an, he's an older man an older gentleman who you know. He'll go and see deceased loved ones at the at the cemetery, put down a chair, read the morning newspaper in front of the grave, and you know talk to the grave as if they're you know they can still hear uh, hear him talk. And it's it's kind of innocent things like that that really kind of make you empathise with with Rocky in this film. And then when you get to a point where he's diagnosed with cancer, and how that changes him, and how you see his immediate rejection to chemotherapy and to getting treatment it once again just amplifies the amount of uh emotion you feel with his his own journey in this film and with the way that they portray that in this film it's like you've got a parallel thematic journey going on with creed and his ascension and his battle and then you've got rocky dealing with his battle which isn't a physical one in the sense of boxing like we're used to in this franchise but it's actually more of like a mental one in regards to his cancer and how his decision on what he wants to do in regards to that changes over time. Because when he first gets diagnosed, he's ready to just put his hands up and allow it to take his course and uh, for him to pass away due to the cancer because he wants to be reunited with his loved ones who have passed on. Which is something that, especially at that point in the film, you can really understand why he has that perspective because he's so lonely. But it's 
the fire in Creed and the desire to to ascend that Creed has that kind of almost rubs off on Rocky and Creed is almost like the reason why Rocky decides to fight on and fight against the cancer and he's kind of doing it for Creed just as much as he's doing it for himself and I think it was just beautifully told in this film and it's definitely one of the elements of the film that sticks with you after the film ends. In terms of the antagonistic presence in the film you have Tony Bellew who's actually a real British boxer who portrays Pretty Ricky who is the number one contender in the film and is the person that Creed eventually has to fight at the end of the film and I thought he did a good job you know you know as far as you know boxers or sportsmen turned actors go he did fine you know he did fine in his role and you know one criticism you could make is that there isn't that much development surrounding him or you didn't learn too much about him but I think that was a necessary sacrifice in order to focus so heavily on Creed as this is primarily his story but then also when you factor in the emphasis on Rocky and what they do with him in this story I think it is appropriate that they kind of let the vi the antagonistic presence of this film kind of stay off to the side and not take up too much time so that they could really service Creed and Rocky in this story so although I can understand why some people may bring that up as a criticism I don't actually find it to be one because like I said I think the film utilizes that time in a more beneficial way by focusing on his two central characters but yeah that first Creed film fantastic is a film that I would give five stars without a doubt and um, I did watch both of these films a few days ago and watching it again every time I watch that first Creed film I'm almost stunned by how great it actually is it's one of those films where when you go back to watch it you think to yourself is it as good as I remember and then you watch it and you're like yeah it definitely is but let's move on to the second film so the second Creed film came out in 2018 and I kind of have uh, quite a strong memory of the time that came out as well because I was very excited for it and this one wasn't directed by um, Ryan Coogler it was directed by Stephen Capel Jr. it still starred Michael B. Jordan of course Tessa Thompson Sylvester Stallone but one of the big things here is the introduction or reintroduction shall I say of Ivan Drago from the Rocky franchise so you had Dolph Lundgren come back and you had Florian uh, Montinau I believe I pronounced his name correctly uh, as Victor Drago so Ivan Drago's son and the big kind of draw with this film was having Rocky confront Ivan Drago face to face again and then to have his son face the son of Creed and definitely so seeing as I just mentioned it when I say about the anta antagonistic presence not really being felt as much in the first film but it's still working regardless because of the central focus on the main characters this second film if it was an issue for you in the first film this second film fixes that completely because you do get that focus on the antagonistic side of things and it's really good actually because they expand the character development of the antagonist and we get more of an understanding of his perspective and what drives them and there is an, an emotional layer to even Ivan Drago and his son Victor Drago that is something you can definitely empathize, empathize with and understand why they're going to the lengths they're going to in order to get the fight with Creed and then to utterly break him so that he can become number one um, and I think it works really well and I think those two performances um, in those two two roles of Victor and Ivan Drago were handled pretty well and I thought they were written into the script fairly well as well but 
what I love about this film now, I remember when I came out of the cinema watching, having watched the second Creed film, I immediately labelled it one of the greatest sequels of all time. And the reason I did that is this film does what all great sequels do, which is expand the development of a central character and put them through more rigorous obstacles and you know trials and tribulations, if you will, and really put them to the test. And this is a great story or a great example of those type of stories where you know you get the second act of a trilogy and the character is you know at their lowest that's kind of how films are framed you know if you have a film trilogy you have your first film you know and your second film usually depicts the characters at their absolute lowest before you know peaking back up again as you go into the third franchise third film of the franchise and this definitely does that with creed in some surprising ways actually so once again i'll just reiterate i'm going to spoil elements of this film if you haven't seen creed 2 already go watch it and come back to this podcast and listen to it afterwards because there are some surprising elements to this story that i definitely didn't see coming and even when i watched the film again because watching the film a few days ago may have been the first time i watched the film since the cinema um so not all of it was fresh in my memory and there were elements of this film that surprised me again um with what they did with this script and the thing I really appreciate about this film as well is it's 130 minutes long, which is quite long, but it's very well paced and moves relatively fast. And I think this is due to how well the acts are structured and how defined they are in this film. So what you get is in Act 1, it showcases the Drago family. Um, yeah, in fact, the film actually begins with the Drago family and showcasing you know their living conditions and what they're going through. And then it also showcases Creed's ascension to being champion. So he fights, I forgot his name, but he fights the other fighter that you see in the first film. That he's, That is the first person that he fights in the gym and loses to who was one of the top contenders um, in that first film. He fights him in a championship fight and wins. So immediately at the beginning of this film, you've, you've got the perspective of the Drago family and their situation, which is a very desperate situation that they're in. And they're very hungry for success. Um, and most of that passion is being driven by the fact that Ivan Drago lost his partner and Victor Drago lost his mother due to their lack of success. So their failures caused her to leave and move on. And they want to almost get revenge and redemption via the success in the ring in order to kind of bring her back into their life. So they think anyway. So you get that kind of depiction of their situation at the beginning and then you almost get the polar opposite of their situation by showcasing Creed become champion. So he's kind of obtained almost everything that he strived to obtain, that he's you know, strived to obtain over the course of the first film and you know up until this point in his career, whereas Drago is kind of the opposite. And I like that kind of juxtaposition between the two and how that's actually explored and showcased within the first half an hour of the film, within the first act, done very well. And we get to see how, you know, Creed's personal life has progressed and, you know, him wanting to marry Bianca, which once again, this film and how it handles their relationship, I, I like it a lot. And there are some emotional beats in this story to do with their relationship that I think really do hit a nerve in terms of, not in not for me personally, but in terms of just an emotional nerve to really strikes a chord with, you know, anyone that's empathetic, I think, will definitely feel some forms of form of emotion during certain sequences to do with their relationship but you get to see that yeah he wants to marry her and there's a very funny scene with him trying to propose to her 
but because of her hearing condition and the fact that she's losing her hearing that proposal kind of goes wrong within the moment but of course she accepts the proposal but the scene that they create around that is quite funny although it is quite saddening at the same time and then you also get to see the his relationship with rocky and how that's developed but things will change and you know um that's when you move into the second act and the second act then depicts the inner conflict that is created by the Drago family challenging Creed to a fight. And that essentially unearths and brings past trauma back to the surface because of it. And both Creed and Rocky now have to face the decision of whether that fight should go ahead or not. And this is what creates the conflict between the two of them. Whereas Rocky and his trauma surrounding Creed and what happened to him um, in terms of Apollo Creed, his father, and what happened to him and not throwing in the towel when he, when he could have and when he should have. That trauma drives Rocky away and he doesn't want the fight to go ahead. And although Adonis is very adamant that he's going to continue and accept the fight, Rocky says, OK, you know, you can continue that fight, but I'm not going to be there alongside you. So that kind of creates a rift between the two of them which once again for a sequel you know you want to develop your relationships and you want to bring turmoil into the relationships and to keep things you know progressing and so that you know the relationships and the story isn't stagnant in any way and I think this sequel does that so well because it just throws a spanner in the works for so much it starts off in a way where you think you know, you could easily watch the start of this film and think you know where it's going. You know, oh, things are perfect for Creed now. Ivan Drago comes along and he's going to fight him. But immediately, just the just the idea of that fight in existing creates a rift between Rocky and Adonis. And that's another obstacle for both of them now to, to deal with and to face. And it creates a lot of fantastic drama within the film itself, which I think the script, once again, handles really well. A real shocking element of this film that I found quite shocking anyway and it's an, it's an element that I love about this film, actually, is it. And this this once again goes back to what I say about the pace of the film, because you you start to then realize, you know, maybe about an hour into the film that we're going through training montages and things like that. And boom, the fights here, you know, Ivan Drago, uh, sorry, Victor Drago versus Adonis Creed. The fight is about to happen. And it's like, oh, this is happening a lot earlier than I would have expected. You know, you expect this to happen in the third act. But it's happening in the second act. They're having a fight. And what happens in that fight is Creed essentially gets physically and emotionally broken during that fight. His ribs are broken or fractured by Victor Drago. And it's a disqualification because Victor Drago takes an illegal punch whilst Creed was already down. And so you have a situation where he's still champion, but he's essentially broken in every way, both emotionally and mentally. You know, the battering that he took in that ring has just destroyed his confidence. And, of course, he's then got to deal with the emotional side of what's his relationship with Rocky and how that's deteriorated. And, of course, he's got to physically heal as well because he's got, you know, fractured ribs. On top of that, and this links back into what I said about what they do with his relationship with Bianca in this film. She's pregnant. You know, earlier on in the film, she falls pregnant and she gives birth to a child and everything seems to be okay. Until they come to the realisation once they do tests that the child uh, is deaf. So then that brings another emotional obstacle into the fray. So there's a lot that Creed is dealing with in this film. 
So just to quickly recap what I just said to, to really drive it home. You've got him dealing with the emotional, mental and physical damage that was inflicted within that fight with Carl Drago. Sorry, Victor Drago. You've then got the emotional pain that is inflicted by learning that his child is deaf. You've then got the emotional torment. Maybe that's not the right word. The emotional stress of the deterioration of his relationship with Rocky. And how someone that was so close to him that he relied on is no longer there. And you've got all those elements at play in that second half. And all, well, all of those elements are brought into the film and the story in that second act. It's actually a really, really strong second act for that reason. Because it completely flips his situation that he was in in the first act, which was all about kind of success and the positive progression of his life, flips it all upside down. And now he's got to showcase strength in all of those factors and in all of those ways to kind of make a comeback and overcome it all to be champion once he fights Victor Drago once again. And I think the way that's all orchestrated is done so well in this film. And that, when I say it's one of the greatest sequels ever made, it's that second act and what they do there, which is one of the key components to that. Because they introduce so much. They throw the kitchen sink at him in that second act. And then, you know, for the audience watching the film, you go through every emotion with him. And then you're like, right, I want to see you rise to it. I want to see you overcome this. I believe you can overcome this. And that's what makes the film so inspirational. And also so relatable because... Sometimes, you know, that's how life is. Life can come at you fast. You know, it could be, sometimes you could be thinking you're living sweet. And then it's one thing after the other. And all of a sudden, that happiness is gone and you're depressed. You're broken. That is life. So for them to depict it in this way in this film, I think is very, very inspirational. And when I watched this film for the first time, it would have been November 2018 when it came out. I would have probably been just a couple months along from overcoming what at that time was like the the toughest bout of depression that I had experienced in my life so for me I really did kind of feel in tune with this story and what it was doing it was really connecting to me and uh in act three of the film you then see his recovery you see you get one hell of a training montage it's a very different type of training montage to the first film which I like and it's a very different kind of dynamic because they go out to the desert but um it's brutal it's a brutal training routine, but I love it. I love how it's shot. I love the music that goes alongside it. I like how it depicts him, you know, falling to the ground at one point when uh, jogging behind the vehicle and then having to pull himself back up and find that strength to continue. It's a really good training montage. But yeah, you get to witness all of that in the third act. And you then also get him reuniting with Rocky and how that relationship kind of repairs, gets repaired, which is very nice to see. That happens before the training montage because Rocky's with him during the training montage. And then you get to the fight and it's a very good fight and it's directed very well. And and whereas Ryan Coogler in the first film did, you know, focused a lot on the long take sequences and depicting the fights in that manner, this felt more like you were watching it on a TV broadcast, but in a good way. But you really got to go up and personal with the fighters when those when those punches were getting thrown. And when he gets like assaulted with punches from Drago you you feel the impact of them and you feel the quickness of it all and when he gets knocked down and this goes for the, their first fight and the second fight whenever he gets knocked down or hit with a really strong punch you know the impact is really felt 
and uh, Stephen Cable Jr. did a great job balancing that and just all the emotional elements of a script with this film. I think he directed it really, really well. But that's essentially why I love these two films. Um, they're two very different films. They're two films in the same franchise, of course, but they're two very different stories in a, in a way. Because one is about kind of pulling yourself up into greatness and ascending into greatness from nothing and battling legacy and battling what it means to carry the name of your family and to try and live up to expectations of those that came before you in your family. That's what a lot of the first film's about, especially from Creed's perspective, in terms of Rocky's perspective, is learning to fight on, you know, finding the will to fight the battles that you don't want to fight. In his case, it was the cancer. And uh, those are all kind of lessons and, and um, themes that I think will resonate with a lot of people, and they certainly resonated with me. And then with the second film, that's just that, that brutal one. Like I said, life can come at you fast sometimes, and sometimes unexpected things happen in life that really overbear you, can put you in a really bad situation, and you're either going to fold or you're going to find the strength to overcome it. And I think the second film really depicts that type of rise and that type of ascension. And that's something I can definitely relate to with my experiences in life. And I think that's why I connected with that film, especially at the time I saw it so much and why I think it's one of the greatest sequels ever made. But yeah, if you haven't seen these two films, I highly recommend it. And man, I'm so excited for this third film. It's out in a couple of days. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to go watch it in the BFI IMAX, the biggest screen in Europe, IMAX screen. And uh, I'm certainly going to be reviewing it on this podcast. But thank you for listening, whether you listen to the whole thing or just little snippets and different portions of it. It's all appreciated in equal measure. And I'll speak to you guys soon.